and good morning. Over the last month or two, we've been emphasizing uh, a bit about your story and telling your story. Your story of how God has been at work in your life, whether that is the big picture or whether it is with a particular event. Talked about uh, remembering this is how my life or the situation was. This is how I received God's grace in the midst of that situation. And so now I want to confess, I want to tell the difference that God has made. I'm going to give you a chance to tell a bit of your story in a little bit and how it intersects with God's story. Because what I'd like to do this morning is tell a bit of God's story, one of the stories that he told, and it's in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 55. It's a simple story. It's a story that as we go through it, you might say, you know, Jesus probably knew this story because several of his stories kind of come close to God's story here in Isaiah 55. I'm going to read the story. I'm going to talk about it for a bit. And then I'm going to ask you the question, uh, what's part of your story? What is the way in which you felt a need, a burden, a care, how you asked to receive God into that situation and the difference that that has made? How does God's story intersect with your story? And the story of God is found in Isaiah 55. So I invite you to join with me in standing in reverence and respect to God as we hear these words from the book that we love. Whoop, a little too fast. Here we go. Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affairs. Give ear and come to me. Hear me and your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and notions that do, nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. God's very word. Thanks be to God, and you may be seated. He was invited to a very fine meal, but he refused to come and eat. The preparer of the meal did not take this lightly. He pursued the guest, pestering him to come, tracking him down, wanting his guests to come to this invited meal. Still, the invited guest kept running from the meal and from the host, pledging not to eat the meal, not in a box, 
not with a fox, not in a house, not with a mouse. He will not eat it here or there. He will not eat it anywhere. He does not like green eggs and ham. He does not like them. But the guest eventually tried green eggs and ham, and he liked them. He would eat them in a train. He would eat them in a plane. He would eat them on a log. He would eat them with a frog, and so the story goes. Maybe you have been invited to a meal that you really weren't looking forward to. Or when you start to think about it, it's something you'd rather pass. There was one time many, many years ago, Renee and I were invited to someone's place for uh, dessert and for coffee. So when we walked into their place and we saw the kitchen, Renee had a good line of what was happening and she started to get the coffee ready, scooping coffee, one, two, three, four, ten scoops in the coffee. Renee was trying to get my attention to say, don't take the coffee. <laughs> but I'm a guy, I don't pick up on these clues, right? So it passed by me, so I drank the mud while uh, she passed on it. The picture in Isaiah 55 is about a fantastic feast, a wonderful banquet, the finest God has to offer. Why should we want to follow a God? Because he offers this wonderful banquet to all who comes. And he will not disappoint. He will not disappoint. So let's reflect on this story for a few moments. Reflecting first on the banquet itself. This invitation in Isaiah 55 came to Israel when they were in captivity in Babylon. For decades, for centuries, right? Israel turned their back on God. So God eventually sent in the Babylonians to capture the land. And the Babylonians brought back 90% of the people of Israel who survived that attack, 90% they brought back to Babylon. God did this to wake them up to help them see their choice that they had made to turn away from God's wonderful banqueting meal. Babylon, in the Bible, is the center of allurement and the center of enticements. The book of Revelation uses Babylon as imagery of all that is wicked in contrast to God's rich banquet. And God says, at my banquet, there is plenty. There is plenty for anyone and everyone to come. It's wide open. It's not limited to class. It's not limited to education. It's not limited to creeds that you recite. It's not limited to how much tradition you have learned. There is absolutely no requirement along these lines to come. Just come as you are. There's plenty of room. 
and the meal. The meal is the best you have ever tasted. Yes, it, it has water, it says, but it also has an abundance of wine and milk and honey. That word delight in verse 2 means to take exquisite pleasure in something. Can you think of a meal that brings you exquisite pleasure? For years, on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, uh, Renee would make this tradition called Dutch Olibolen. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a, uh, it's a mixture uh, of dough, and in this sweet mixture, there are pieces of apple and raisin and uh, walnuts and other things, and you put it in boiling oil, and you get it just till it's uh, golden brown, not too done, not underdone, but just right, and you take it out, and you put powdered sugar over it, and you gotta eat it hot. Ah, oh, that is exquisite. Oh. And you put it in the fridge for later, it just doesn't taste the same, right? It's just not the same. This banquet, God offers is like none other. And the price of the meal, how much does this banquet cost? Costs you nothing. Come without money. Come without cost, the host says. Now, the meal does cost something, but the host is footing the bill. He's the one paying for the banquet. We further see how the host is going to pay for the banquet when Jesus comes. He pays for the banquet. He shed his blood. He had his body broken. His spirit was humbled. The price of this banquet cost Jesus everything. We never buy our way. We never earn our way to the banqueting table. We have been feasting at other tables, other tables that are empty. God's banqueting table, the choices of food. Who wouldn't want to come? But verse 2, it says, but many go to other tables tables. People spend their money, they spend their time, they sacrifice at tables and meals that do not satisfy. All that they're looking for in life is not found at other tables. Pastor teacher John Ortberg writes that all day long we are bombarded with two messages. First, we ought to be unhappy where we are. And secondly, happiness is one step away. You should be unhappy, but it's only one step away. Now, I don't watch a lot of sports on TV. I do like college football, though. It's different than professional, and I kind of enjoy it and they know their audience. So 
the commercials that are geared are often in a lot of online betting, right? And you notice how the people are before, oh, they're, they're, they're just kind of dragging, oh, but you get something in their hand to do some online betting and their whole countenance changes. You are unhappy as you are and happiness is one step away. Other feasts say they can satisfy. That's Babylon. Babylon has the allurement that their promises meet your need. Use me, buy me, wear me, try me, drive me, put me in your hair. We are told that these are the things that we truly need. But they're not, are they? It's the allurement. The allurement of the workaholic who seeks promotion and advancement and achievement. It's the enticement of the channel surfer to seek mindless entertainment. It is a debtor to try to acquire things that money will not satisfy. The glitter and the empty banquet hall don't deliver in our time of need. God wants you to so much enjoy his rich banqueting table. And this host, he is persistent. That childhood story of the guy, I think his name is Sam then, right? Who is chasing this being who won't come to the green eggs and ham. He is persistent, right? God is even more so. Four times in these five verses, he uses the word come. And we know in scripture that when a word is used multiple times, it's a word of emphasis. He is hounding. He keeps asking. He keeps pleading. He keeps longing for people to come. That's been God's history with his people. He is persistent. Old Testament Israel repeatedly refused to come to God's banqueting table, and they sought other tables to go to. And how often would we say, you know, if we were God, we would brush off those people, and we would find some people who would appreciate. God doesn't. He even sends them to Babylon with the purpose to wake them up, to open their eyes, that they might see what they are missing. And when the Jews refuse to listen to the words of Jesus, and they set out to kill him, his steadfast love is even seen on the cross, forgiving those who put him there. And this persistence that the host has, he expects those who are at his banqueting table to have the same kind of persistence. He wants his people at the table to do the same thing that he has done, to go out, to be persistent, to call people to come in, to enjoy the table. They are not at the table simply to relish it for themselves. It says in verses 5 and 6, Summon 
the nations to God. This luscious meal is not to be kept hidden. It doesn't involve a secret handshake to get in. God says that those in relationship with him are to follow his example, to bring others into the richness of his meal. God calls us to move beyond the relationship that makes us comfortable to others and invite them to come in. So lastly, looking at the path to this banquet. Isaiah reveals the path of getting to God's banqueting table. He says, first of all, you need to hear, verse 2, words that we are to listen to, that we are to give ear to. We are to hear with careful attention. Far too often, we hear, but we don't listen. Any parents in the room? Anytime you have thought in your history, uh, you're talking to your beloved child and they don't seem to be listening and they finally say, I hear you, dad. And you say, I know you hear me, but are you listening? There's a difference, right? It happens on Sunday, too, in church, to hear, but not listen. Like one of our presidents, Calvin Coolidge, had a story of returning home to the White House after being in his church, and his wife asked him about the church service and about the message. Uh, what was the message on? She asked. Sin he said. Well, what did the preacher say about it? Well, he was against it. <laughs> Sometimes we hear, but we don't listen. So he says, listen carefully. Hear about the banquet that's been prepared. Listen to the price that's been paid. Hear about his unending love and his pursuit of you. And be distraught when others turn their back at the banqueting table. So first of all, here. Secondly, he says, receive. Receive the invitation. Open up your heart to the host of the banquet. He brings us to his banqueting table, the richest food found anywhere. This is no low-calorie, low-fat, soy-infested, lean meal. It is rich and juicy. It is for the hungriest of people. And all we have to do is open up our hearts to the host and invite them in. Maybe your response to the invitation to come might be one that is enthusiastic one that is full of conviction. Yes, I want to go. I want to come to this table. Or maybe your response might be like that one that Sam I Am was pursuing. I'm not so sure about it, but I'll take the step. 
doesn't matter which part of the spectrum you're on. Just receive it. And secondly, or thirdly, confess. The call comes to us to go to others, to let them know that the banqueting table is here. We see this in verses 3 through 5. To go out to the nations, to people of all heritages, of all backgrounds, to leave no group out. Anyone can come by opening their hearts and receiving the Son of the host of this great banquet, the one who died on the cross as a perfect payment for our sin and rose from the dead, a Savior who offers forgiveness and freedom and life in abundance. So this is God's offer, the richest and the fullest type of life that is possible. And he directs us how we ought to live this life in all the other chapters. But here he says, simply just come and receive and then tell others about the difference that that banquet has made for you. So that's what I want to invite you to do. Can you think about something in your story Something in your story where uh, there was a need of some kind or a longing of some kind or a hurt of some kind and uh, you opened up your heart to receive God's grace, God's mercy, God's goodness and he brought a difference. These are not stories that have to say everything always ends peachy king. Everything always ends the way that I wanted it to end or the way that I asked it to end. Sometimes we think that's what Christian hope is. Sometimes we think hope is getting the full answer of what we want. I have found Christian hope is getting the one who is with us, whether he answers that prayer or whether he doesn't. The hope is that he is there, present with us. And let's pray together. Father God, we bless you and thank you so much for your love that sent your son into this world. Thank you that uh, you are king and ruler, and uh, we acknowledge that even though our world does not. Thank you that you give to us your Holy Spirit who empowers us and leads us to live out the reign of Jesus in the places where we go to school, places where we work and live and recreate. We thank you for your great love that has given to us a new life in abundance. We pray, Lord, that as your early followers proclaimed the good news of a new king, uh, with boldness and some with trepidation, uh, we pray that you will help us to do the same as well, to share the difference that you have made in our life and telling our story and how you have provided for uh, the deepest needs that we have. And we thank you that you've given us the opportunity to share that here. We pray, Lord, that you will 
be close to those who are downhearted, that you would give strength to those who are weak, that you would give courage to those who are weary. On this day, we especially lift up the Jones family and the passing away of Richard's mom uh, a week and a half ago. We pray that your grace and strength and peace would be with them in the midst of a, a very sad and a mournful time. We pray that you will lift them up. We pray for our schools, for our students and teachers and administrators and parents. We pray, Lord, that in whatever subject is being talked about and whatever administrative, administrative detail is taking place, that the Lordship of Jesus is seen and recognized and taught and revealed and shared. We thank you, Lord, for placing us here, giving us opportunity to be together, to enjoy each other's, not only companionship, but to enjoy each other's faith journey, to be a part of it. We thank you for this neighborhood, and we pray today and this week for our neighbors on 72nd Street, that you would give to them a double measure of blessing on this week, and that they would know that this blessing comes from you. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to share ministry with other ministry partners. And today and this week, we lift up uh, Bridge Street Ministry and the ministry that they have not only downtown, but in the places in which they reach others with the good news of Jesus. We pray that you will give to them protection. We pray that you will give to them courage uh, help them when they feel discouraged or downhearted to continue on the task and the journey that you have set them on. We pray, Lord, that you will protect their leaders, that you will care for their families, that you will surround them all with the blood shield of Jesus. We thank you for Discovery Church, for time that you give us to be together, and we pray, Lord, that you will continue to strengthen our hearts, strengthen our faith, so that we can share the good news of the King of glory who has come in. We offer up ourselves as best we know how in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, Amen.